This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Another level off a 70-point performance last night, but are we starting to see enough from the 76ers to believe it's going to be different this year for them in the postseason? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. We're on your smart speakers. We're on social media. We are so much a program that is just flat out everywhere. We would encourage you to follow on Instagram at Jay Fortenbaugh, at that guy Carlin. Joseph, we watch him bead last night. We marvel at what he is accomplishing right now. He's headed for a second consecutive MVP. But the bigger issue is the 76ers and where they are headed as a group. They are, are right up near the top of the Eastern Conference. They're not quite there, but they're very much a team that you look at with Nick Nurse and you believe that maybe, just maybe, things are a little bit better at 29 and 13. This year, they look a little bit different. Tyrese Maxey has upped his game a little bit. Is that upping your game or is that just taking more shots? Is is this overall a team that resembles to you one that feels like they might be taking it to the next level this year? Here's where it gets interesting. Because when you're assessing things like this, you have to ask yourself how much of the past, and by past I mean anything prior to the start of this season, how much of that do you want to bring into the equation? We just did this with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar's playoff history, one and three, will that matter this year? Some say no, some say yeah, it could be a thing. Right, these narratives. For Philadelphia, it's been very similar to Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens. The inability, after putting together highly successful regular seasons – several years in a row, the inability to get anything of substance done in the playoffs. They're always good enough to win in the opening round against an inferior opponent, and then the second they step up in class to someone who's even with them, slightly below them or slightly above them, they just can't seem to get it done. How much of that do we consider this year? Because if you're just looking at this year, the blind resume of this team is quite impressive. Number two in the NBA in point differential. Number two in the NBA in terms of road losses. Second fewest road losses in all the NBA. They perform very well on the road. They've got an MVP leading the team. They're a top defensive unit, which we'll get into in a little bit, but that's very important when it comes to challenging for championships. All the way around, the resume is extraordinary. But yet, there's this narrative that the Sixers can't get it done in the playoffs. I love the fact that they have, for the first time in years, found a way to be drama-free, right? It was always something. There was Markel Fultz in the shoulder, and then there was Ben Simmons and everything he brought to the table, which, by the way, anyone here from Ben Simmons this year? Who? He's so great. Anyone ever hear about Ben Simmons doing anything? Who? Right? At any point, Ben Simmons... Let us know if you're playing this. I don't even know if he's playing this season. He can be hurt for all I know. But his name never surfaces at any point. Hey, man, he's hurt? He's hurt, yep. Stop traffic. Stop traffic. (laughs) Ben Simmons isn't playing. After all that talk coming into the year, once again, he's in the best shape of his life and he's going to put up a huge season. We've heard that before. So it's the Fultz drama followed by the Simmons drama followed by the Harden drama. They finally cleaned it up. Look at what happens when you aren't distracted. You're capable of producing some pretty favorable results. Ben Simmons has played six games. Six games. 
Six games. I don't want to get caught in the weeds on that because I have spent years of my life caught in the weeds of Ben Simmons. You know what he needs to do real quick? He needs to cause some drama. He needs to get his name back in the news cycle. He's been gone for too long. That's true. That's true. Not good for the brand. Not good for the IG followers. He should talk to Kyrie. That'll get him right back in. Kyrie also quite quiet this year. Not hearing a lot of drama out of him as the really? sell, as the Mavs pulled off a big one last night. It's actually, you know, I mean, he's playing pretty well down there. They're getting, they're, they're playing very well as a team. But the thing, here, here's the thing with the Sixers, okay? I hate to put it this bluntly, but yes, while I agree, the drama is not present. And that is a majorly welcome development. I have seen this too many times where right around late January, Sixers fans really start to pay attention. Be like, oh, oh, okay. We're not bad. We we actually could do something this season. The Sixers right now sit at 29 and 13. They are on the pace to pretty much have the exact same record that they had last year. Minus James Harden. Minus James Harden, Think about that. yes. Minus James Harden, yes. Um, plus Tobias Harris actually playing okay at 18 points a game. And Maxi is up at 26-27 a game right now. So he has upped his game as well. Harden was never a factor in a positive way in Philadelphia. And it's such a welcome development that he's gone, and I'm glad it's working out so far in L.A. But you know what's, clip, you know what's coming. I Point is... I'm a big history guy, and I look at the Sixers' history. Eastern Conference semis lost. Eastern Conference semis lost. Eastern Conference semis lost. I mean, there there is six consecutive years not getting past the second round. The results are all that's going to matter to me when we get there, and I know that's somewhat of a cop-out answer, but I don't want to talk about what looks different this year when it has been so consistently the same for such a long time. few things to keep in mind on the pro side. Number one, new head coach in Nick Nurse. Yep. Could be the guy that puts him over. Maybe right he does, higher. maybe he doesn't. But it's something right to higher. keep in mind because he's got him playing well. Number two, yep. we already talked about it, drama-free. All right? Not a lot of distractions this season. Number three, very important, they're top five in defensive efficiency. Okay? Right now, in this modern version of the NBA, your offense is your floor. Okay, you have an elite offense. Great. Show me if you can get some stops because I know the Suns can score a lot of points. I saw it in the playoffs last year. They couldn't stop Denver at any point and they got run out of the building in that series. In the last 25 years, 50 teams have played for the NBA championship, right? 25 years times two teams playing in the finals. Of those 50 teams, 40 ranked in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. 40. Okay, of the teams that have won the championship in the last 25 years, the last 25 champions, 22 of them ranked in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. And then finally, last one I'll throw at you because I know people don't want to be dealing with a whole lot of numbers at this time of day. Of the last 25 finals, 20 of them have included at least one team that ranks in the top five in defensive efficiency. Defense matters. And when we look at the defensive efficiency rankings today, here's your top 10. Minnesota. Number one team in the West. Number two, Boston. Number one team in the East. Then it's Cleveland, Philly, OKC, Orlando, the Knicks, the Rockets, the Pelicans, and the Heat. Even Denver's not in the top ten. Now, that's not to say Denver can't win it. 
But defense matters in the playoffs because everything gets ratcheted up. And the Sixers, to this date, have been playing good defense. The downside to the Sixers taking the next step this year. Against teams below 500, teams with a sub-500 record, they are 19-3. 19-3, they are crushing bad competition. Against teams that are 500 and above, 10-10. and 10-10, and 10. they are even-steven. Compare that to the Boston Celtics. Against teams with a winning record this year, the Celtics are 19-8. and eight. That's a big matzo ball hanging out there between mm-hmm. Boston and Philadelphia. It, look, no doubt, no doubt. I do think there is a degree of, how would I put it? When we look at what I'm saying about Sean McDermott, some guys are only going to get you so far, right? Doc, we saw that he was not going to be able to get the full potential out of this team and Nick Nurse has won a championship, so hopefully, and not that Doc didn't, but that was a long time ago, you would hope that Nick Nurse is a culture guy that is able to deliver what is necessary in bringing that to the next level. And I think you make a lot of great points with all the statistics in there. The one last thing I would say about it is don't underestimate Joel Embiid and his ability at the wrong time to add a little drama. That's all. A little bit? Because if we think that all the drama is out the door, it's not all out the door. He is a guy that on occasion will open a can of worms and it will become an issue. Can he be the guy that just stays under the radar this season? That's, and when I, I just mean under the radar with everything that he says and not getting caught up in anything because we've seen it he has gotten caught up in things before got caught up with the fans a few years ago as much as the dude loves philly and i think he's amazing for the city he can get in his own way he can real quick trivia question for you wilner and handman go quickly okay i'm looking at the stats right now i want to see if anyone can get this if you've already looked at this you are disqualified from this not the hembo hammer the joe screwdriver that's what this will be called the joe screwdriver for lack of a better name joe jackhammer um one team in the nba is undefeated against sub 500 teams one team in the nba only one team is undefeated against teams that have a sub 500 record who is that one team any of you can go whenever you're ready. The New York Who Knicks. did Minnesota play? New York last Knicks night? is Wilner's choice. Handman? Uh I was I'll say the Nuggets, but I'm not confident. Nugs. Uh real quick was how I started the uh the, the yeah, this off. It was. I was real quick. Say, I was just gonna... throw a name out there. Okay. Just throw it out. The answer the is the New York Knicks. Thank you, okay. Evan Wilner. Carlin, I can't sit I'll here all day waiting day. for you to guess an NBA team. Look, that was like such a struggle. I can't just throw something out there that's irresponsible. People have expectations. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) When I speak, people listen. That's all. (laughs) So I don't want to disappoint anybody. I got to give them something good. (laughs) Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. What are the Knicks against winning teams? That's what I'd love to know. That's going to be something. Oh, yeah, it's right here. The Knicks yeah. against winning teams this season, 8-17. and 17. And bango. <laughs> That's what we got.
That's what we got. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Now, when you're trying to find quality candidates, all the searching, screening, and interviewing can become a job in and of itself. You need, indeed, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, hire quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Four quarterbacks left in the NFL playoffs, including Lamar Jackson. So how many teams out there should regret not making a push for him last year oh there's a couple in particular we'll tell you next espn radio this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Owen oh, 2 night last night. Thank you, Minnesota. Maybe pass the ball a little bit, Towns. You guys might be able to get the win and get Edwards involved. I, I mean, Kid's pretty I, good. Can I just ask a question? Go ahead. I jumped on it. I'm looking up. I looked at the box score like three different times in the first half. Is is Anthony Edwards dead? He's a, I mean, he was he was battling a little bit of an illness. He was questionable. Okay. But like well, he played, he could take a shot. I mean, it, you know, zero points. Yeah. A little help, fella. No good. No. no good. And the under was dead with about... I don't know, in the third quarter. So, 0-2 <laughs> night. Congratulations, Ford Ball. After going red hot and then talking about it, it's been nothing but ice cold. So here's what we're going to do. Try to get organized tonight. We're going to mix in a little hockey. This play is going to be the Knicks minus four over the Nets. The Knicks have been very, very good since the OGN and OB trade. Nine and two straight up. Eight and three against the spread. They're rested coming into this game and they're taking on Brooklyn, who's one of the more inferior teams in the NBA. If there's one thing we know about the Knicks, they hammer bad competition. This year against teams that rank in the bottom 10 in net rating, they're smoking them by an average of like 14 points per game. So we're going to go ahead and take a shot tonight. It's the New York Knicks minus four over the Brooklyn Nets. Do you do anything to change up things when you're cold in your daily life? I, uh, you mean like mojo and luck wise? Yeah. No. Like, are you a superstition guy at all? 
when the games are being played, maybe a little bit, like the my youngest son, when he was first born, the Eagles were in the playoffs, and he was like a month and a half old. It was the year after the Super Bowl. Remember the Chicago Bear game, the double doink? Yeah. My mom was in town helping us with him, and we were rubbing his head. She was like holding him, <laughs> and we were rubbing his head when that kick went down, and he missed. So it's like, oh my God, the head was good luck. The next week they were playing the Saints. The Saints were were kicking a field goal to go up two scores. We start rubbing his head again. The Saints missed. Now the Eagles didn't go down the field and score, but I've been rubbing Wyatt's head on crucial field goals ever since, and he's like a hundred percent. Did you did you see crazy. the vid, did you see the video the other day of the Chiefs fans who put the fan to the left of the yes. television and turned <laughs> yes. it on and blew it right <laughs> and blew it wide right. That was hilarious. I had never seen that before. It's very clever. It was outstanding. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I can't help but think about some teams right now, like it's the New York Jets, like it's the Miami Dolphins, like it's the Atlanta Falcons. Tampa was in the discussion at one point or another last offseason about Lamar Jackson. Now, as we remember, teams could go out there and sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet and the Ravens would have the opportunity to match. Teams did not want to spend the time to negotiate a deal with Lamar Jackson only to have the Ravens match it. Do you ever feel like looking back there are these teams that are just completely lost at the position that could have absolutely had their long-term answer there that regret this move because I don't know how you could be a team like the New York Jets, how you could be a team like the Falcons and sit there and say, well, not going after Lamar at all. That was absolutely the right move. Whether it was collusion, Joe, or just we don't want to do your work for you. Whatever it is, if you're passing on a proven commodity at the most important position in the sport, you better have a hell of a reason. I don't know what Atlanta's reason was, but Atlanta fired their coach. Atlanta doesn't have a quarterback. Atlanta's trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be. Not a surprise. If you've got good quarterback play, you got a shot. If you don't have good quarterback play, you got no shot. It's pretty obvious, right? We can dive into all the advanced analytics. We can bring Mel Kuyper on to break down prospects all we want. We can talk about the youngest, brightest minds in the business at the coaching positions and at the front office positions. If you don't have a quarterback, none of it's going to matter. Lamar was available. Now, granted, he was going to be very expensive, and he had been coming off a second consecutive injury-riddled season. That's always been a bit of a concern with Lamar, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not he can stay healthy because he does run the ball. He does subject himself to some damage. But what we're seeing this year is what happens when he's healthy and he's got a good unit around him. Probably going to go on and win the MVP award. So for everyone who passed, congratulations. The one thing, when we talk about these deals as they're happening, the contract amount always looks so radical. It's so difficult to comprehend how a guy could get this much money. But when you move... Two years down the line, it doesn't look like anything. When Bryce Harper and Manny Machado each got, what was it, like $300 million? Yep. We thought, oh my God, $300 million over 10. This is insane. $30 million a year for Bryce Harper looks like nothing now. It looks like nothing. Like Kyler Murray's deal looked ridiculous a few years ago. But you get a couple years into it, and it's like, yeah, it he's not that great and maybe he's a cultural problem in terms of what happens in the locker room from a leadership perspective 
but it's not that much money compared to the rest of the market. So so what? Right? Like right. it's if you wanted to pass on Jackson, okay, great. But, you got a better but, option? Uh, yeah. And and it turns out they didn't have a better option in all of those cases. And when you hear Andy Reid talk about facing this guy again, you get what the level of respect is. Lamar is special. He, he's a um you know, he, he's fast and one of the faster guys on the field when it's all said and done. And, and he's shifty where Josh will go. He'll go right through you. He doesn't care. He's a big, big man and probably equally as fast. I mean, he's a fast kid. He's run away from secondary players. We've seen that on, on tape. So this kid, he throws it well. He throws on the move well. He runs the ball well. We've just got to stay on top of that part of it throughout practice this week and then during the game. You know what I what I really have not been able to stand about the whole Lamar knock over the last couple of years and, and wanting all that money is the idea that Lamar still couldn't throw the ball. And, and it still came up time and again. And it's, Joe, it's firmly because his game is not to go out there and throw for 350 yards or 4,000 yards on a season. His game is to go out there, make effective throws in the right spots, and he delivers them. You know, Lamar does not turn the ball over. He had seven picks all season long this year. He's had one year of double-digit interceptions, and that was two years ago. So I, I look at him, and I think people just stick to whatever they believe to be the truth with actually out, without actually paying attention and watching the guy play. Because every time I looked up the other, ga- other day, the guy was delivering darts when he needed to, but because he's only going to throw for 158 yards sometimes, we're operating under an assumption that he's just, he's not your pure quarterback. Well, because it's hard for people to process him being great when it looks so different from what they've seen in the past. Right, We're used well, to relatively statuesque quarterbacks dropping back, hanging out in the pocket, throwing down the field, 275, 325, two, three touchdowns, and, and that's the position, right? Like for the longest time, the AFC was Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and Joe Flacco. And then in the NFC, it's Drew Brees, right, and Eli Manning and Aaron Rodgers. And every now and again, a guy's going to come along and break the mold. You know, Mahomes has a very unique style with how he can just the arm slots from where he can throw dimes from is incredible. And with Lamar, it's a very different look because he's so dangerous with his legs. I mean, how what's the average play length for the Ravens versus everybody else? Because it feels like when Lamar drops back, he'll find a way to give himself six to eight seconds to figure out what he wants to do. That's yeah. what makes him so deadly. Good luck covering good wide receivers like Zay Flowers for eight seconds while Lamar Jackson buys time with his feet. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's borderline impossible. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Graz. Danny Graziano is joining us in just a few minutes. We'll get into all of the coaching stuff and where guys are going to end up and what's happened with Bill Belichick. Do teams just not want to deal with him? But as long as the regret is there for Lamar Jackson for some teams, Will there be more regret this coming off season? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
NFL Championship Sunday on ESPN Radio. Touchdown, Lamar! All the news, analysis, predictions, and reaction from the Chiefs, Ravens, and 49ers Lions. Trip to the Super Bowl on the line. NFL Championship Sunday. Coverage continues right here on ESPN Radio. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80, on your smart speakers. Don't forget to hit us up on social media, on Instagram, at ThatGuyCarlin, at Jay Fortenbaugh. Let's welcome in Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider right now, to discuss what's going on on this coach's carousel. And Dan, let us just start with Jim Harbaugh. What is the latest with the Michigan coach? Yeah, I think still um, most people I talk to seem to think that that he's likely to end up with the Chargers when all the dust settles here. It's not done yet. Um, There have been other guys in the mix. Mike Vrabel interviewed there and obviously would be a strong candidate there or anywhere else. Uh, But it seems like Harbaugh and the Chargers have kind of had their eyes on each other for a while. And, you know, it it may just be about working out the deal. Now, that doesn't mean ultimately it gets worked out, right? If if the money's not right, if the situation's not right, if the personnel around him, so um, I think everybody's, you know, keeping their options open. There's still, as I understand it, uh, an offer on the table from Michigan for Harbaugh to stay. So uh, not at the finish line yet, but I think the Chargers seem like they want to wrap this up at some point this week, whether it's with Harbaugh or somebody else. And I would, I would probably say he's the, the favorite at this point. There are coaching vacancies we've been keeping a very close eye on. Tennessee's not one of them. And there are candidates for head coaching jobs we've been talking about quite a bit. Brian Callahan is is also not one of them. And these two got together, and Tennessee hired Brian Callahan, the former OC of the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's not to make any jokes. It's just, what do we make of this, Dan? We, we know so little about any of it. Well, I mean, Callahan, that wasn't the only team Callahan interviewed with. I mean, it just, they, they Tennessee had their eye on him early in the process, and they had already called him back by this point last week to, for a second interview, even though they weren't done with their first interview. So obviously he was a candidate they felt very strongly about. And he was the first one to go in this week for an in-person interview, and, and, and he's the one who got hired. So, um, you know, they see something they like there. Uh, Cincinnati's program is, is one that uh, I, I think, you know, people are interested in, in trying to replicate. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, Callahan is a guy, he doesn't call plays for the Bengals because Zach Taylor does, the head coach. But Callahan has a significant role there in terms of, um, you know, game plan installation, in terms of, you know, several administrative things uh, overseeing the offense. And I think what really caught people's attention this year was the success uh, he had with Jake Browning after Joe Burrow got hurt, because that was a, that was a Brian Callahan project. Like, Browning was in that building for three years. Uh, and and Callahan helped develop him in a backup role. So I think people were impressed with that, along with his other work. And, and um, you know, he's got the bloodlines. His, his father is, was an NFL head coach with the Raiders and is now the offensive line coach for the Browns. So we're keeping an eye on if, um, if he's able to hire him away from Cleveland uh, and coach the offensive line for him in Tennessee. But, yeah, he's been a strong candidate for a while. He did interviews last year and uh, – and, and as I said, Tennessee was not the only team that reached out to him in the first round of interviews this year. 
It's Danny Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Boy, the Falcons have become interesting all of a sudden. For, you know, first it's two interviews with Belichick, then it's a second interview mm-hmm. with Harbaugh. Now they want second interviews with both Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson from the Lions, and they can't do that mm-hmm. until next week. What's going on here specifically with Belichick and the Falcons? Yeah, and I mean, you throw in a couple other names. I mean, Vrabel's been somebody of interest there, and uh, Bobby Slowick, the Texans' offensive coordinator, is supposed to do an in-person interview there uh, on Thursday. So they are casting a wider net. Now, Belichick specifically, you know, this has been a place where there's been some level of mutual interest. Um, There's stuff to be worked out, right? The Falcons' power structure uh, may not be – you know, uh, open to Belichick, right? Like, like Rich McKay, the team president, has had a lot of influence and a lot of power there for a very long time. Would Belichick require some of that to come his way if he were to, to, uh, to go and coach the Falcons? And if so, how would that work? Belichick would probably want to bring in a lot of his own people, coaches, administrative people, et cetera, et cetera, and if you're going to turn your whole building over, right, if you're going to replace – you know, dozens and dozens of people uh, for a coach that might only be there a couple of years, right? He's 72 years old, and, and he's trying to get 15 more wins to pass Don Shula and all this. You know, I think there's some stuff to be worked out in terms of in terms of operationally how it would work if Belichick went there. And that's not to say it can't be worked out. They are still having those conversations, but they have not arrived at a deal and I think that's the reason why is they haven't figured out the specifics of how everybody, you know, who would be in charge of what. Dan, we were trying to figure this out. You know, Belichick, regarded by many as the greatest head coach of all time, and maybe it's the age thing, but there were several vacancies this year during mm-hmm. the coaching process. Is Atlanta the only team that's interested? And if so, why is that? I think of the current openings, he Atlanta's the only one we've heard him associated with to this point. Um, yes, 72 years old, three losing seasons out of the last four. And, and I think a lot of the, you know, in terms of him, uh, you know, he doesn't have to take any old job. And, and I think there are things about the Atlanta situation that appeal to him. And in terms of the teams, you know, I, what I just said about Atlanta could be said for a lot of other teams, right? Like, do you have to overhaul the way your organization works to bring in a 72-year-old head coach who's not exactly on a hot streak right now uh, and might not be there for very long? So uh, I think, you know, there are teams that are kind of looking elsewhere because they just sort of didn't want to go down that road for various reasons. But uh, in terms of the jobs that are currently open, uh, I think, you know, Belichick has probably only been associated with Atlanta. I think, you know, had Dallas come open, would that have been a possibility? Maybe, but it didn't. Had Philly come open, would that have been a possibility? Maybe, but it doesn't look like it's gonna. So, uh, you know, unless something else is going to surprise us here in the next week or so in terms of an opening, I think it seems like it's Atlanta or bust. Oh, okay, Dan, but this is where I'm really interested because we started to hear last week, hey, there's a team or two that's still alive that may be looking to mm-hmm. make a change, so don't rule them out. And what do we got? Jack Squadouche. We got the Philly, Dallas, and Buffalo all deciding to go status quo uh, at this point. So are some of these guys just not viewed as big of an upgrade as maybe publicly we think they are, whether it's Belichick at his age, whether it's Pete Carroll at his age, whether it's Harbaugh at this point, only for specific circumstances, and even Vrabel? Mm-hmm. 
think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, in the cases you mentioned, I mean, these are those are teams that have had success with these coaches, right? I mean, Sean McDermott has built a program in Buffalo. They they didn't make the playoffs for 17 straight years before he got there, and now they've made it six out of seven. I mean, we can all lament that they haven't gone as far as they want to go, and that maybe they should be able to go farther with the personnel they've had. But you know, you know, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? I mean, like if you if you move on from McDermott, a lot of the really good stuff that he brought uh, might go with him. So. I, I don't think it's as cut and dried as, oh, Bill Belichick's out there, we have to have him for, for all these teams. I mean, these are teams that it's on some level over the past few years have been extremely happy with the performance of their head coach in, in a number of areas. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that those are spots that would have had appeal to someone like Belichick if they had come open, but I'm not personally surprised that, that uh, none of them did. Dan, we got about 30 seconds left. We kicked this around. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Any rumors floating around out there that maybe Andy Reid could be looking to retire after the season? That is a rumor that is out there, yes. And, you know, look, he's 65 and uh, certainly certainly nothing left to prove, right? Uh, There are those who think that he'll stay as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, and there are some that think at some point he'll decide to move on. I guess we'll find out, but uh, it's definitely something that there's been some chatter about uh, in league circles. Uh, How realistic it is obviously remains to be seen. Danny, great stuff as usual, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Dan Graziano, that's a heck of an out there. All right. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) What I love about Dan is he does not suffer fools lightly, and by fools I mean me. I mean, he, he really, you can just tell there are times where he's just kind of politely putting up with it. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. The biggest battle that Bill Belichick is facing right now is the one versus reality. We will explain that next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. continuing his meetings with the Atlanta Falcons seemingly very heated at this point. If you go to that many Super Bowls, win that many Super Bowls, go to that many conference championship games. Atlanta offers a lot of what he needs. It's a low-key football environment. He doesn't have to deal with the glitz of, say, a Dallas or a tough market like Philly. What the Falcons do at quarterback matter in a huge way, too, because if it's Bill Belichick, I think going more so the veteran route suits him in that manner. So what exactly is going on here with Bill Belichick? Why is this not more of a thing with teams in the NFL wanting to immediately hire a guy that's won six Super Bowls? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Your hoodie, outstanding today, by the way. Sharp. Very oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can never get Oh, the... you got one as well. Is that a hoodie as well? It is, but it doesn't have the ropes on it, and I can never get the ropes to be even down out of my Oh, these are not even. These are not even. They're and I try even. to make them even. It's a whole thing. I just yeah. let it go. It's 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 not good. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
Adam Schefter checking in on Belichick was asked on on Sportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle today about why Bill Belichick has not been uh, necessarily so sought after with other teams. You know, when you're hiring Bill Belichick, you're getting the greatest coach in league history, but you're also getting, okay, well, he wants his system and he wants his guys and he wants it his way. And that might not necessarily make everybody, or that might not be as appealing to certain people in an organization as it would be others. So, you know, there are a lot of voices that have a say about whether an individual is hired. Would some of them feel threatened if Bill were in the building? Would some of them be as comfortable? Would some of them be welcome to all the changes that he would implement? These are questions that are going on. Joe, this is what I've talked about a lot here in reference to Howie Roseman, but he's not the only one. It's all around the league, the idea of protecting power. It is one big game of thrones, whether or not people really believe that. Like, you get into these organizations, and people are constantly scrapping and clawing and trying to get in with the right people so that they can get just a little bit more power. And then once they have it, giving it up, they're going to fight like hell to keep it. So if you're bringing Bill into that building, is it he's completely taking over everything, which I don't think is a smart thing to do right now. If he was willing to give up, uh, say, over personnel in New England, then he needs to be able to be willing to do that elsewhere. But, Joe, I think with Belichick, more than anything, he's getting a big dose of reality here. He would still be in New England if he wasn't so difficult to deal with in the building. Like, you can be a jerk and win games. And as long as you're winning, we're going to put up with it. But when you're not winning, and it's a few years now, maybe you have to treat people a little bit better than you have been or than you've always been used to. I've talked to people around up there. I absolutely think that Belichick would have gotten another year to try to fix this if maybe he was not so difficult to deal with in the everyday developments in that organization. This is what becomes tricky, though, because oftentimes genius like that does come with a catch. Yeah. Like, well, oh, he's so brilliant, and he also manages his money well, and he's also a philanthropist, and he's also really nice to everybody. Like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Nobody's perfect. So if you're interested in having Bill Belichick coach your football team, you don't put little disclaimers on it. You don't try to tweak it to how you see fit. You hire him and you bring in everything that comes with him and you prepare for what that's going to be like or you don't bring him in at all. There's no reason to go half butt as I give you the PG version of that, right? No reason to say, look, Bill, we want to give you the job, but we don't want you in charge of personnel, and we want you to kind of change the attitude a little bit. We want you to be kinder and softer. Like, that's not how he operates. You're going to hire Belichick. You're going to let him come in, and you're going to let him do what he does, or go find someone else. And it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that report and think, yeah, there's probably a lot of people in Atlanta that don't want him coming in because he's going to make life really uncomfortable. He's going to be there to win. And blank hiring him means it's a long-term contract that's fully guaranteed. So if something goes south, it's the other people that are going to get run before Belichick. So everybody would be on pins and needles in there, especially if you're not a Belichick guy. 
it's going to be his guys. So I can understand if Arthur Blank is getting pushback from people that are already in the building. I can understand if there's a little trepidation about Belichick's age, the fact that he hasn't won over the last three years. I think it's very telling that only one team is interested in this. But if you're the Falcons, you're either all the way in or you're all the way out. If you're trying to get Belichick, but you're trying to get him to change his ways in the process, there's no way that's going to work. So Okay, but all of that being said, when is winning actually going to take over and rule the day here? When does that actually take over? Because I got news for you. Every NFL head coach in their own way is out of their minds. Is absolutely oh, without question out of their minds. So, yes, with genius comes, let's call it some social shortcomings. I'm not going to excuse that. The question becomes, as it does with players who are talented, how much are you willing to put up with, and when is the juice worth the squeeze? And if I'm one of these organizations like Atlanta that has tried so many times to land that big fish to be my head coach and I've never been able to do it, what do I got to do to do it? Why am I worried about everybody else trying to reclaim their power as opposed to bringing in or hold on to their power as opposed to bringing in the best head coach that has ever been a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, like you're bringing him in based on everything you've seen and based on everything you've seen from your team. It's not a negotiation in terms of, all right, well, this guy's going to be in power and you're going to do this. No, you hire Belichick, it's the whole shebang. Let me ask you this. What does the world look like if this hiring cycle completes itself and Belichick doesn't get one of the jobs? It, it gets an awful lot harder to hire him next year. What does that say? That it means the that he's a year older. greatest head coach in NFL history is available. There were, what, eight, nine jobs open? Yeah. And, and not one? Not one hired him? It doesn't say anything good. I, I, I think it's, look, the reputation precedes him. And it's easy to sit there and say, for them to go with the same narrative that we've talked about, can't do it without Brady. If you can't I, do it without Brady, well, then why would we hire him? I also think one of the most important factors in all of this is as you look around at the coaches that are having success right now, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, mm. Dan Campbell in Detroit, Andy Reid in Kansas City, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Those are just the final four. Those guys understand today's player. Harbaugh and Reid might be a little bit older than Shanahan and Campbell and more experienced as head coaches, but they understand how to relate to today's player. They get that. LaFleur in Green Bay, McVay with the LA Rams. Now more than ever before, you got to be able to relate to the player. You got to coach him differently. And Belichick's entire coaching tree has proven that they don't get that. Everywhere yeah. McDaniels has gone, everywhere Patricia went, Charlie Weiss, those guys didn't succeed anywhere. Bill O'Brien had some success in Houston, probably more than any of the others. But the reality is those guys do not handle the modern NFL player well. They do not no. relate to him. And eventually, even with that success, they ran O'Brien out of there because right. of it. And it's simple as this. The modern NFL player does not want to be yelled and screamed at and told to just do something. They want the reason behind it. Yeah. You, you want me to do it? Okay, why? And because I said so is not a good enough reason. They put themselves on that same level as the coach. That's how things have changed. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.